Welcome back to part two of the Fitz Kohler interview, where we're about to discuss the influence of fitness on your mental health. Welcome to Insights into Success, where with your host Paul Dodds, we hope to educate, inspire and motivate you to achieve your own personal success. We talk to guests from all around the world from a variety of walks of life to hear the realities of their own journey to success. What challenges have they faced, how they cope with failure, and what have been the keys or will be the keys to their own success. In our Read to Succeed interviews, we talk books that have inspired our guests, and for some, they share their secrets to marketing success. Join us as we give you insights into success. So, like today, it seems to be anxiety is just almost like exploding. You know, so many people are suffering from anxiety. And you look at social media and then it's kind of understandable. But to what extent, I mean, there's not obviously a number of things you can do to counter it, but to what extent do you feel that fitness can play a part in people's mental well-being? Absolutely massive. There are there's not much that compares with physical relief to vent out those toxic feelings, uh, whether you choose to walk or run, or cycle, swim, hit a heavy bag, exerting that toxic energy, it's its very, very powerful. I can't quote specific studies right now, but I have read, and uh, any doctor, any psychiatrist, the very first thing they would tell someone dealing with anxiety issues is, go exercise. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me with exercise is it's an opportunity to shut everything down and just exercise yeah. and by doing that it's like you get a moment of peace yeah we nothing else is going on the only thing you should be thinking about is what you're doing so every, nothing else matters at the time and just the satisfaction of of doing whatever you're doing and completing it yeah those are moment. those are great points yeah so i've used exercise not only for fun for fitness when 9-11, when those planes started crashing into the Twin Towers, I went straight to the gym to hit the heavy bag. That was, it was a need for me. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I, so the cancer didn't make me sick. It gave me a lump, right? I detected I had cancer, but my body wasn't riddled with it and I wasn't right. sick because of it. So between diagnosis and my first chemo, I was exercising hours every day just to get rid of the stress. So it's, it's one of those things. If you're going to get you're irritated with your spouse and walk out the door and go for a walk see if you come back yeah. a nicer person i think most people do relax a little bit after they've exerted that pent-up energy and exercise is also a fantastic place to think and um there there's been studies done with ceos most ceos start their for start their days with exercise and most do most of their business planning during exercise so it's a really, it can be a really productive multitasking part of your day. You're, you're making your body stronger, fitter, maybe losing weight if that's your goal. And you're coming up with some brilliant ideas or, or managing crisis while exercising. Yeah. Now you uh, were involved or are involved in a school program called the Morning Mile. Do you want to yes. share with us a little bit about that and how that came about and what the purpose of it is? I would love to. Thank you. So I own the Morning Mile. It's um, my B4 school walking running program. It's a fitness production. And when my kids were little, four and six, 
my daughter, who was six at the time, she had a friend who had who he was walking and running before school. And his mom kept bragging about it. And I kept saying, gosh, I wish my kids could do that. I wish my kids could do that. And she kept bragging. And I think, oh, I wish Ginger and Parker could do that. And then my fitness expert uh, light bulb went off and I thought, I wish all kids could do that. That's a brilliant way to uh, start the day with an active friend, you know, uh, diminish our inc ever increasing numbers of childhood obesity cases, turn on their brains, curb behavior problems because the kids have exerted their youthful energy. So I went to the schools who had loosely organized walking, running programs. I said, what's working for you? And they shared. And so I took their best practices and I included my own and I created the only school running program, walking running program that's completely inclusive. Everybody's welcome. Every student, all faculty, student families, the bus drivers, the lunch lady, everyone's welcome to come participate. The schools provide 30 minutes in the, uh, in the morning before school. The kids can show up and walk one lap, go to class. They can stay for the whole 30 minutes, run real fast. We have elementary school kids that run upwards of four miles in 30 minutes, almost wow. every day before school. Um, we don't set an arbitrary goal like do a marathon 26.2. We say, just go have fun, do what you want. We unleash them. We play music. We give great rewards. Some of my morning mile schools yield 27,000 miles per year. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Some of them have over 90% of the student body participate throughout the year. It's incredible. So so I you, have, oh. Sorry, I was going to say for you, is is this just a community contribution you're doing nope. it or is it actually a business? It's part of my business. And, uh, you know, it's so lovely. I love it when a part of my business is so wonderful that people confuse it with charity work. Cool. Right. Like how great is your business when people go, how altruistic. So it is. Yeah. I'm I'm. I'm getting kids moving in the mornings and their family because it's good for them and it's good for society. And that's my whole mission. Uh, but the program is paid for. It's sponsored by corporations and yeah. there's some profit built in because I have children I need to feed and I don't feel bad yeah. about that. So uh, yeah, the morning mile, I have it in four different countries. It's in over 400 schools right now. And, you know, my first goal is to have it in every school in America before I die. Um, but I certainly would love to hit, get those Kiwi kids up and running. Yeah. So uh, I'm so proud of the morning mile. It's uh, it's the best, most important thing I've ever done. So if anyone wants to learn about that, they can visit morningmile.com. That sounds like an awesome idea. Yeah, so, you. so tell me, like looking back now with your can cancer journey, how has it changed you? I mean, I assume it has, maybe it hasn't, but if it has changed you, how do you think it's changed you and how do you reflect back on that journey? So there's a couple things. Uh, you know how sometimes people hit crisis, triumph, uh, tragedy, illness, injury, and they hit a fork in the road and they think, oh, what have I been doing? I need to do this instead. They, they make a turn. For me, uh, when cancer came and because the way it played out, I, I didn't take any turns. Instead, uh, cancer just solidified the foundation I had already laid that I was doing the right thing with the right people. I, I, I need to double down and do more of this. Uh, if I had taken a break from all the things I do for a year and a half while I was very, very sick, nobody would have blamed me, but I would have blamed me and my, my business, my brand would be devastated. It would, I think it would have fizzled out. I think the people that normally hire me to speak, 
They would have forgotten about me. They would have found someone else. They would have kept that other person. Um, so instead of Fitness dying, uh, I tripled my business. Wow. During cancer. Wow. You know, that's I think those are good decisions making. Hey, listen, I never I'll never say I'm the prettiest girl or the funniest person or the wealthiest or any of those things. But when I when it all lays out, I made some really good decisions. And uh, and that's that's good news for everybody, because I didn't make any decisions that only a really rich person can make or only a really nationally diverse or interesting person can make. Anyone can make these decisions, you know, use perspective, follow your passions, stay positive. Remember, you can do hard things. You know, these are all very basic tools we all have if we choose to use them. So on the other side, um, I was I was gung ho on life before cancer. Now there's a problem. Like now I'm hardcore. I want everything. I want to do everything. My, there's no there's very little fear in my heart other than to things like flying cockroaches, uh, spiders. <laughs> I I am not afraid of anything because I always compare it to cancer. And I'm like, well, I can do that. That's not cancer. So uh, life is better. Cancer has left me dinged up. Uh, there's, there's, there's dings and they're lasting dings, if for a lack of a better word. But yeah. you know, I, I feel really good about the success I've had. I ran the Boston Marathon a little over a year after com- uh, finishing chemo, which I'm very proud of. Um, I have these three books, the Cancer Comeback series, which I'm so excited about. The first one was tremendously successful. My Noisy Cancer Comeback, the next two, Your Healthy Cancer Comeback and the journal. I There are no other tools like them for cancer patients. There's nothing. There's nothing. And so when your body is deteriorating and um, you're looking in the mirror thinking, I'm a shell of what I used to be. There is no information. There was until now. There was no information to help people climb their way out of those holes and become become whole again. Uh, so I, you know, thankful. Well, not thankfully, unthankfully, whatever. Cancer is not an American disease. It's no, everywhere disease. International. It is, and and everybody is affected. Be even if you don't have it yourself, either you're hoping you don't get it, or you're watching, you're losing people you love, or watching them suffer. And so my my next main obstacle, which is one I'll gladly take on, is making sure every cancer patient and survivor on earth know that these resources exist because they will help. They will. They will definitely help these people. I'm so excited. So tell me about your book. So the first book, was that just sort of recounting your journey through cancer? Yeah. So the first book is my noisy cancer comeback. And it's, you know, the tale of my adventures and misadventures traveling America with cancer. And I go into all the gory details, all the hardships, all that, you know, telling my kids, being diagnosed, what all that was like, because there's a lot of stuff people don't talk about. Yeah. And I talked about all of it. There's a lot of things. I, my eyes changed color. Really? Yeah. yeah. I know. They were gray. They were silver eyes. Now they're very blue eyes, which is not like a terrible thing to happen. But no. and can you imagine waking up one morning? They, and they weren't royal blue at that day. They were navy blue saucers. And I thought... What's going on? How does that work? How does, How does that work? I still that? don't know. I don't know, but it's very okay. weird. Um, yeah. So I go into all the weird and wacky, and it's funny. People say uh, that it made them cry some, but it made them laugh a whole heck of a lot more. And especially when when cancer patients are reading it, that that fills my heart up with happiness. So, so when you wrote that book, did you? 
Like, did you write it or take notes at the time, or did you write it retrospectively? You reflected back and, and recounted it in the book. So, you know, when I first, I think I was maybe just a few months into treatment, and again, it was a very long treatment, um, maybe a few months in where after things had gone sideways, were so wacky, my first instinct was, gosh, people would get a laugh about this. So I told people I had cancer because I was going to be bald. I never wore a wig. So I, I didn't want people, uh, I would have I liked to keep it private, but I did have to tell everybody because I was showing up bald, but I yeah. never told anybody about the hardships at the time. You know how very, a lot of people are on social media being like, look, I fell down. Everybody look at the picture of my bloody knee. Yeah. I stayed the course on my brand. I was health. I was happiness. I pretended everything was just fine. Nobody knew I was super sick other than my very close circle. So as I was going through it, though, and things were going crazy and I was, you know, at some point you just have to laugh at yourself. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, people would laugh. I got to tell this story one day. And I didn't know if I was just going to tell it on my own podcast or write an article. And then what happened is, you know, as things were going on, I started thinking, you know what? this is another place where I can help people do better and be better. You know, it was that perspective, passion, positivity. And I thought I could, this is something I need to tell people about. So that's when I started making notes about experiences I'd like to talk about. Now the book is it's chronological order. And I kept it that way because with cancer, people want to know like, well, when was your clean mammogram? When did you find your lump? When did you get the biopsy? Like when, when, when? And so I made it chronological uh, but, and, and those dates were in my calendar. So when I talk about losing half of my hair on stage at the Los Angeles marathon, it was easy for me to look up the date because the, the Los Angeles marathon date is published everywhere. So, uh, I did, I did start taking notes. I never had a diary, but when something funny or exaggerated happened and I thought it would be interesting to share, I, I jotted it down and, and included it in the book. So was writing the book difficult or therapeutic? No, it, it was, I don't know. I don't know if it was therapeutic. It just, I, I only write, I only speak when I have something to say. And I had something to say. I think I really enjoy, I la- I'm a storyteller, you know, so when I do keynotes, I don't just say, you know, X, Y, Z is a fitness nuts and bolts. I, I build it into real life experiences. So I, I enjoy the process. I enjoy creating. I enjoy writing. And so the, the two new books, can you just tell me a little bit about them and how they differ from one another and the purposes of both of them? Yeah. So the first book is Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong. And that one is a guidebook. It's the blueprint for a cancer patient and survivor to uh, slow the decline and rebuild their body as necessary. And it's very detailed, although very easy to read. It's layman's term. It's friendly, conversational. Uh, And we talk about why, how fitness will help you slow the decline. Because when chemo starts beating you up, you know, if you don't fight back, you'll just get weaker, weaker, tighter, stiffer, lose your balance. You know, with dehydration, a lot of people become a fall risk. I was. And so you can combat that decline by moving when you can. And it's, I don't, I'm not telling people, Hey, go out there and do CrossFit right now. What I'm saying is what can you do? Can you go for a walk? You know, a lot of cancer patients are able to be active in many ways or even athletic. And so let's talk about the things you can do and do those things. 
this is how you how you treat exercise when starting chemo as you go through it with radiation with surgeries uh, there's a massive section in the middle it's i think chapter seven called everything exercise and there's hundreds of photos with instructions so let's say you're not a fitness expert and uh, maybe you want to work on your shoulders right you've had some reason that your shoulders are now weak well there's exercises there's all the gym exercises standing stuff but if you can't stand Here's exercises you can do sitting down in a chair. If you can't sit up, here's exercises, strengthening and stretching exercises you can do lying down in bed. If you're sick and you're going to be like, I had to take showers all the time because I was exploding. I was so sick. So I was constantly in the shower and I would do stretches in the shower. <laughs> so there's things that you can do. And, uh, you know, the main impetus for this book was when I hit rock bottom. And so I, uh, I lost 11% of my weight. I was so skinny. I was very, very thin. I was very weak. I couldn't open water bottles, you know, just everything. And, um, it was past the meanest part of my chemo and past surgery. And so I decided to go back into the gym. I had been doing stuff at home on, as I could, but I was going to the gym and I was going to strength train on this day. And so I went in there I sat down on a machine and I tried to do chest press, which uh, with the same weight I used to use before cancer. And I had to lower it and lower it and lower it. And eventually what turned out is I could only lift 20% of what I had lift before. I was lifting wow. maybe what a four-year-old might lift. And, and I realized two things is um, how fortunate I am to be a fitness expert, right? Because when that happened, when I had a scrawny, gray, bald, weak body, I knew exactly how to, how to design my return to health and fitness. I was on a mission and I was going to make it happen. It was going to be baby steps and gradual and I was going to do this and that, but I was going to make it happen and go even beyond. And I did. But that same day and that same moment, I thought, oh my gosh. What if I didn't have all this information in my head? What if I was just sick yeah. and just weak? And I, st I was stuck staring at myself in the mirror thinking, what has happened to me? And I'll never be the same. That would have been very, very defeating. That was a, that was a very clear moment that I had to use my highly credentialed fitness expertise along with my cancer street cred to help other people going through yeah. it. And you know what, Paul, there's nothing else on the market like it. There is no competition for that book. So that one, is, it's filled with everything. We talk nutrition, we talk quality sleep and the benefits of that, complementary care, mental health counseling, sexual health counseling, counseling, physiotherapy, massage therapy, acupuncture, all of it. And it's just, it's a guidebook for somebody who needs that type of guidance um, for fitness during and after cancer care. Now, the next book is the Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal. So that's the place where everyone can document all of their cancer details, their diagnosis, their data diagnosis, who their doctors are, where they get treated, it scans, blah, blah, blah. But then also, um, who is their favorite shoulder to cry on? Who brings the best home-cooked meals? What is your nickname for your tumor? Have you given a nickname for your port? Uh, what are the things that keep you going? And then the last hundred pages are daily fitness logs. And so right. it's, it's when you wake up, when you go to sleep, did you take a nap? What, how much water did you drink? What kind of exercise did you do? How did, how did you feel? And then do you know what strawberry moments are? No idea. Okay. 
So I love strawberry moments and they're, they're semi-widely known, but I, I learned of them when my kids went to summer camp. They went to summer camp out in the woods, slept in ca- cabins for weeks. And strawberry moments were the things that when at the end of the day, the kids in that cabin would circle up and they would talk about uh, their favorite part of the day, something that made them feel happy or special uh, whether they won a canoe race or they made a new friend or they learned a new song. It's just, it's your silver lining of the day. And I think with cancer, or I know that with cancer, it's really important to focus on those special things because they're going to pop up, even though you're sick, even though you just had surgery and you're in the hospital and you look weird, something wonderful happened on that day. And so that journal is the opportunity for people to log their details and then hopefully focus and, and then share their stress. They can they can vent in their journal, but also focus on the good parts of life. So, I mean, so effectively, I guess they go hand in hand. So you read the one book and then you've really got the guide to help you through. Yeah. So is there a plan to kind of link that up with social media and kind of like a, create a little community of people going through that journey? Absolutely. So, you know, as far as, we're talking to entrepreneurs. I'm using the back of the book very wisely. And so, uh, so in the back of this book, there's a little promo in here for, well, there's fitness.com, you know, come to my website. And then there's another one that says up next, your healthy cancer comeback. The back of these two new books will steer people towards my website. I'm featuring inspirational, healthy cancer comeback stories on fitness.com. So yeah, you've known that. It's cool, or a fitness expert told me all of this stuff. But if you'd like to see proof that it's possible, we're going to have tons of articles. Uh, we have many already written, ready to release on social media. So people can drive there to see Phil Decker running Chicago and Boston Marathon with stage four colon cancer, to see Kathy wow. Barrett come back from breast cancer, to see Kelly Ryan adventuring all the time with brain cancer. And so it's, I, I'm really excited about bringing cancer patients and survivors with the can-do attitude um, together to feed off of each other's success and then welcome in, you know, others who just don't, who didn't know it was possible, right? You think, oh, cancer, life's over or life's going to be bad. And, you know, for those of us who, who survive cancer, uh, life can be really good. Yeah, I think that is such a super cool idea. I really, really love it because I can only imagine people feeling you know, very isolated and going through such uncertainty. So to know that there's a resource out there where they can go to and and share their journey, but but have shared within other people's journeys and how they've managed to combat it through all these strategies. I think it's a really fantastic idea and, and um, would be an exciting project to be part of, I'm sure, because you're, you've got an opportunity to really help people in an extremely meaningful way. Well, thank you, Paul. And, you know, people ask, like, do you have down days? And in real life, perhaps. But when it comes to my work, I am so intrinsically motivated because I love and I truly believe in what I do. And like I said, my, my greatest challenge now will be making sure every cancer patient, every survivor knows these resources exist. And if one of them has to go through cancer care and they didn't hear about your healthy cancer comeback... I'll feel like a big jerk. <laughs> down. Yeah, there's the pressure. So I guess just to wrap this up, you know, based on your life experiences, 
you know, what would be the tips that you would give to people to help them on their life journey and how they can achieve their goals in life, whatever they might be? What would uh, be some things that might spring to mind for you? Uh, first of all, don't settle. Don't take a job with Uncle Joe just because it's easy. You know, pursue the things you love and you're passionate about, the things where you have some sort of skill set. Um, make a list. Make a list of things you love to do, things that you don't love to do. Avoid doing things on your not love, on your hate list. And then try to build a career out of things you love to do. If you love um, cats and you love surfing, then you could be the first guy with a surf with your cat class and you probably will do really well. So be creative. That's one of the greatest benefits of being in the free world as we get to make those choices. So I, I think, first of all, you just got to do what you love and, and hopefully your skill set matches those things. Um, learn to negotiate. You know, that was a really hard one for me. I didn't know what to charge at first. I'm sure I undersold myself for a very, very long time. And then I started learning the skills of doing business and uh, learning to put a put a value on what I do. And I think everybody is better off when, when you can figure that out. So learn to negotiate. Put a, Don't be afraid to put a value on what you do. And, you know, and just in general, show up early, be the last to leave, help whenever you can, uh, stick your hand out, introduce yourself, write thank you letters when you meet someone special or influential, influential in your career, and not an email, write an actual thank you letter or a nice to meet you letter by, by pen. I think that's a really strong way to get people's attention and, uh, and be nice, be ethical, be honest, uh, people won't want to work with you if they think you're a liar or if they think you're a jerk. And so put your best foot forward and uh, all of a sudden things will become a lot easier. Well, that's, that's all great advice. And I think one thing I want to leave you with, though, Fitz, is talking to you, you know, obviously there's, you're not on your own in what you do. Obviously you've got your own way of doing things, but, you know, you've got a prominent profile. One of the things you always wonder when you talk to people like yourself is that you might deliver a lot of great content but you wonder about what the sincerity is behind it all whether it's just all facade very slick professional but not that sincere the thing i will say with you is that i get a strong sense of sincerity with what you're saying which i really like you know you could say the same things and i could come away thinking yeah that's really slick but you know I don't, I don't think she's actually that sincere about it. You know, it's just all the business operation and, and it's yeah. all a front. But with you, I do actually genuinely feel that it's sincere and that is truly who you are. So that makes me admire what you're doing even more. So um, thank you so much for sharing your time. I mean, your time's precious and you've managed to dedicate some time to talk to me. So I really appreciate it. And for those listening or watching, you've agreed to stay on and we're going to do another quick interview called Read to Succeed in a moment. So thank you for this interview and I look forward to talking to you again shortly for Read to Succeed. Thanks, Paul.